Hello, and welcome to the Cocktails and Conversation podcast. I'm Dana Marie Rockmore, the founder of the Dinner Party Project and co-founder of The Welcome House. I'll be inviting intriguing guests over to my home to chat about some of my favorite things, cocktails, story, the Enneagram, and rest. This episode of Cocktails and Conversation is brought to you by The Dinner Party Project. The Dinner Party Project is all about connecting humans around the dinner table. Right now, we are mostly based in Orlando, Florida. Whether it's joining seven strangers in an intimate setting around a dinner table or sitting in the street of Orange Avenue with 100 others watching flamethrowers, we love helping people feel connected to others and their city. We also offer private parties. So if you have a birthday, anniversary, team building dinner, or corporate event coming up, we can create a custom memorable event that you and your guests won't soon forget. We also help brands connect with their consumers by exposing their product in an elevated way to their target demographic. So if you live in the Orlando area and haven't joined us yet, what are you waiting for? We can't wait to hear your story around the dinner table. For more information, you can visit us at thedinnerpartyproject.co. Hello, hello, everyone. Um, thank you so much for continuing to listen to Cocktails and Conversations, and welcome to the 15th episode of uh, this podcast. And I am super excited about today's guest, Nathan Clark, and we'll get into to his story in a second. But the cocktail for this episode is, um, I'm like pretty bad at making up names and oftentimes I'm making up drinks. So it's so cheesy that I don't even want to say it out loud. But, um, so I guess the name of the cocktails like time and tonic it is a, a gin and tonic, which is obviously one of my favorite drinks to make and incredibly easy. Um, so this time I used, um, Malfi gin, which is an Italian gin. And this one has like lemon, uh, it's like a lemon gin and it's very, very, very good. Um, and with that, I put lemon, there was lemon already in it. So I put some lime juice, um, paired in with that. Uh, I put, uh, I believe a half an ounce of lime juice into it and I put, uh, sorry, an ounce and a half of the gin, ounce and a half of gin, half an ounce of, um, the, lime juice, and then I made a thyme simple syrup. So there you go. You're welcome. Um, and that I put, it, it really depends on how much you like it to be sweet. So I put in like a quarter of an ounce or up to like, the, I think a half ounce of the simple syrup. And then you just fill whatever glass you are enjoying it. I served it up this time, but you can also get a Collins glass, which is easy for a gin and tonic. And then just top it off with tonic water. And that is that. And it's not summer anymore, thankfully, here in Florida, but it's still really an easy and delicious drink to make. So hopefully you will make that and hopefully you will enjoy um, the story from Nathan Clark, who um, I've known for quite a long time. I'm, I'm always forgetting, I guess, like how we initially met, but I have, I have, Connected with him and his wife, they started Wonder Maid back in 2012, I believe. So like seven years ago, which is pretty crazy. Um, him and his wife together have six children, which is completely bonkers. Not bonkers. I, um, 
I just admire their commitment to their family. And he has a full-time job and they both run together. They both run Wondermaid, which is um, a company that sells worldwide, which is pretty amazing. And then they have a shop that is out in Sanford, like a, a scoop shop and a, like a, all of their products because they sell these incredible marshmallows. So if you haven't had them, I full disclosure, they're way too easy to eat. Um, they have these insane, amazing flavors. Um, they've got like, I know they have chai. They've got one that's actually like 24, 24 karat gold, um, gold and champagne. Uh, they've got birthday cake. Uh, they have bourbon, thankfully, um, beer flavored marshmallows, um, any kind of anything that you can dream of. They've got incredible, incredible flavors and they're, they make for really great gifts and their packaging, packaging is amazing. I think that's one thing that drew me to their brand, um, was great packaging and they also have ice cream. So kind of like a full line of ice cream, some vegan ice creams. Um, we had them out at our three year anniversary dinner party and they were a hit of course. And then, um, they also have like hot chocolates and a bunch of other things. So Wonder Maid is pretty amazing. Their story is amazing. Just the amount of energy that Nathan has when he kind of enters a room and in a space is really infectious and really fun. And I think that you really feel cared for <laughs> in his presence. Um, and so, yeah, I was, I got a lot more than I expected from this episode. And so I enjoyed it and I hope that you will as well. Thanks for having me. Thank you so much for being here. We'll just cheers to that. Cheers to cheers that. Cheers to that. Hopefully enjoy Take a little sip of that. <sighs> Pretty nice. Thank you. So even though a gin and tonic is usually a summertime drink, today is like so beautifully, perfectly not summer. Yes. Yes. What a Just a touch. We'll take it, right? Yeah. It's I Florida mean, winter when it's 65 out. 65 out. Yeah. We'll take it. But I made gin and tonic anyway. Um, so I used a Malfi Italian gin that has lemon in it already. And then I added a little bit of lime juice and I made a thyme simple syrup and then just finished off with tonic water. So pretty easy, delicious, easy to drink. Hopefully you will enjoy Sli sipping on it lightly as we chat. Yeah, it's great. Yeah. Thank you. Amazing. So, um, the first thing that I love and part of this obviously podcast is that I love pot. I love cocktails that like a go-to drink, something that's just like even having one once in a while. I know that you're not a big drinker, but do you have a cocktail and or any other kind of drink? Like what would be a go-to drink, a beverage of your choice for Nathan? So I don't moderate my consumption particularly well. Okay. So most of the time, if there are things that I'm going to drink, I'm probably going to have way more of it than any one person should have at any one time. Hmm. So usually that means I drink water or sweet tea or hot chocolate or things that do not leave me in a, in a sorry state. A bad state. Should I? Yeah. Um, but... As a result, and because I, I also love really informed decisions, I okay. mean, life is too short to eat or drink the wrong things to spend time with the wrong people. You know, there's only so many days. Yeah. So actually what I often like to do is let the person who knows more than me pick the thing that I'm going to do. Okay. 
which is what we did today. Yeah. And has worked out so far to great success. Okay. Good. Fair enough. So if uh, hypothetically, yeah. if you were to enjoy a, dr- a beverage and yeah. drink, like, would there be one that you have enjoyed in the past? I, you know, what's funny is I can remember more vividly the ones that I screwed up. Like when I that get you in trouble. <laughs> yeah. You know, like, cause when you're young and you think you know everything and then you get in the position where you don't, you're afraid to ask for help. Hmm. And so I have many times at many places tried to just wing it and they would ask me clarifying questions and I would just like fake my way through it, but not well and end up with like a large tumbler of straight gin, which oh, does Lord. not make for a very good experience. No. And, um, and so, and then usually the, the times that, um, I've been so surprised by something being so good, it's honestly because somebody who knew me just said, you know what I think you would like? Mm. And then they order the thing. The only bummer is I don't ever remember what, what it, it is. is. Yeah. To repeat that lovely yeah. one time, one drink experience. Yeah. But if, uh. if I had to pick between remembering the drink or remembering that Greg t- took such good care of me and really found something to be amazing. I'd actually prefer to remember the second one. So fair I think enough. in the end it works out for me. Okay. Fair enough. Along lines of going out for a drink or something to eat, uh, if, and when you had a date night with your wife, yeah, yeah. where, like, what are like three top places that you'd love to go to have like a really special oh, experience? So my wife and I have six children and the first, yeah, it's a thing. <laughs> and the first was born on our 10 month anniversary and we hadn't known each other all that long. And so we actually at the outset with no family in 10 town, months, you had a child, 10 months, we had a kid. So surprise. Um, but, Whew. but yeah, not the plan that we had, but sure. it's been pretty amazing. Nor were six kids. The thing that I thought would be part of my story. Sure. And yet here I am. And so we, at the beginning just committed, let's make sure we go on a date every week. Cause a lot of people get a lot of time to date easily. And we did not. Hmm. Um, so we have actually made it a priority and food is so often part of the, the anchor for hmm. our dates. Yeah. Um, we, so there's a couple of routes we often take. Um, my wife grew up in, in, uh, the St. Pete Clearwater area. So she loves seafood. Um, and our, I don't know. We love going to the Winter Park Fish Company. Mm-hmm. It just has such a great vibe. It feels like you're at the coast, but also they're, um, gosh, they do a great job. They do a great they job. They source it really well. They and prepare it's it really well. It's so good. Taco Tuesday is insane there. Mm-hmm. You know, just go ahead and order six or seven, um, which is too much, but that's okay. Yeah. And um, can you eat seven tacos? Yeah. <laughs> Should I? Remember what I said about the whole like overconsumption thing? I can. Okay. Um, but you know, it's probably better for all of us if I stop at three or four. Right. Um, and their um, their fish bread is so good. So we go there a lot, and then we live in downtown Sanford. Mm-hmm. So the great thing about downtown Sanford is you can also just make the decision to go downtown. And then and you live within walking distance. We, yeah, so we actually walk. Uh, right. Occasionally we'll golf cart because that's a thing there. Okay. Uh, golf carts everywhere. But um, we live nine blocks from, from First Street. And so we'll just walk and pick the place when we get downtown. Yeah. And, you know, the district and Smiling Bison and Tennessee Truffle mm-hmm. um, and Hollerbacks. Smiling you know. Bison is so good. Yeah, there's there's really not a bad choice. I, mean, I miss it being down, down, I know, my, down my street. I know. Seriously. It's uh, a lot of people continue to make the drive from down sure. here up to Sanford for it. 
Um, I should do that more often. Yeah, it, it's really worth it. And it's just such a fun. There's so many breweries there. Mm-hmm. Um, there's so many bars Holland, there. Hollenbeck? Uh, yeah, the German place is uh, everybody loves. They're putting in a rooftop um, seating area, like a beer garden. Um, and there's just so many things that are so, so, so sometimes we just pick that destination since it's down the street from our house. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we can know that no matter which place we land, we're going to walk home happy. Fair enough. Yeah. Works out pretty well. Yeah. So there's, there's not, there's enough in Sanford to keep you. There's enough that I feel guilty. I don't eat at all those places more often, but alas, there are only seven days in the week Yeah, and more than seven places I'd like to eat. So Yes. Fair enough. That is a beautiful commitment to have a date night each week. Yeah. It's, because um, life is busy. It is, but you know, um, there are. There's always more things that you could fill your time with, but, um, you know, spending time with your favorite person is probably never the wrong investment to make. True. So. Yeah. So a little off topic, but, um, how, okay. So do you have a babysitter? Do you <laughs> have like just the older kids yeah. are on deck? So, uh, at the best, we had a rotation of eight different sitters. Okay. And um, we we just had different people lined up for different rhythms all the time. Okay. Um, currently, it's a bit of a struggle because the sitters we have are amazing, but there aren't as many of them and they have less availability. But, I mean, one of the girls that watches our kids has been doing that for, I think, 10 years. Holy moly. On and off. We're, you know, family friends. Uh-huh. And a lot of these people aren't just babysitters. Um, they're people we know through church, through the neighborhood, through life. Um, we're friends with uh, their extended families. And so it's just, just um, it's kind of a richer um, connection point. And we've had kids, like our kids have asked us, is she in our family? Are we related oh, to her? Oh, man. Um, and so it's just a cool thing. Some of them have also worked at um, Wonder Maid, our business. And so right. we've had like just lots of good dynamics. And so we... Yeah, we've, uh, generally speaking, we've employed many, many, many babysitters over the years. Yes. Smart. Yeah. How old is your oldest? 15. 15. And we've got a one-year-old. So we've got a high schooler, a middle, two elementary, a preschooler, and a baby. That is bonkers. Yeah. It sounds like a, uh, um, movie plot or something. It's something. (laughs) Um, and it is a circus often because there's just a, a lot of strange details that go into, um, even just the administration of, of mm-hmm. all that stuff. Yeah. I come from a family of five. Yeah. Yeah. So I was the oldest and I had four boys. Yeah. Oh, um, after me. Um, so I often refer to it as like a three ring circus. It was, you know, very chaotic yeah. growing up, just all the moving pieces with that many people. Yeah. And it just, you know, the upside is it forces you to confront the limitations that you can otherwise mask over. Like, no matter how much you think you have life under control, you actually don't. But when you have six kids, you just have to start every morning by saying that because it's already out of control before you've even woken up. Mm. So, right. um, but they're great kids. Uh, my wife and I are just um, so lucky to have them. Yeah. Um, even if we do have to spend a fair amount of money on babysitting. So no, it's Probably. a price worth paying. Yeah. A good investment. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Right. <sighs> Oh man, that is awesome. So I was actually trying to remember how I first met you. Yeah. And 
the the honest answer is I like I feel like I've known you for a really long time. Yeah. And I'm trying to remember the first like point of contact, but I don't know if it was through major the first I don't know. like yeah. time of inter- intersecting like I remember Can you remember? No, it's funny. <laughs> I remember years ago trying to remember when we had met. Mm. Um and so and so it was like a funny I actually went through that, and normally I'm really great at that. Mm-hmm. I can usually remember what somebody's outfit was the first time we talked, uh-huh. who we were with, where we were standing, what we talked about. Like, those are details I usually do really good with. Right. And I spent months trying to figure it out. And I would sit there with my wife and be like, was it this time? And she was like, no, that was this other person. I was like, ah. Oh, right. Dang. So it might just be uh, one of those great unsolved mysteries. Unsolved mysteries, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. But it's a small town. You know, Orlando, fundamentally, yeah. there's... Um, there's just so many overlapping connections. Absolutely. And, um, it's if you're out there and um, you spend your time with people, it's just not all that hard. The circles kind of get smaller yeah, and smaller. Yeah, people. Um, so, all right. Well, I was hoping that you maybe had a little I bit know. more insight than me, but the reality is that I've obviously had a, a knowledge of you for a long time and, and have known you for many years yeah. at least. At least six or seven, I feel like, but it's been at least, yeah, pretty. Crazy. I feel like it's even longer, but right. Who knows? Who knows? Yeah. But here we are, 2019, here which we is are. totally, totally nuts. Um, so one thing that I'm really excited about, and that I started the dinner party project for, was I really love people's stories, mm. and there are so many variables that obviously that we don't get to control in life. And a huge one is where we're placed in the universe. Mm. Right. And so I feel I won the lottery in that sense of being placed where I am placed. And, um, there's so much that, you know, kind of shapes us with where we're placed and so much that has happened to us. Um, so much again, that's kind of like outside of our control. Um, so I would just kind of love to know as far as your story as like the family of origin that you were placed in, like, what was it like growing up, um, in your household? Like, where were you born? That kind of like formative, those formative years. So I'm the oldest of three. Okay. Um, and I was a surprise to my parents. Uh, my dad was in grad school and, uh, they had been married a little under a year when I was born. Um, so both, sorry, what? Uh, so like they, um, my parents got married, I showed up and then they hit their first anniversary. Ah. And so it was always part of the family mythology. And I was always like, well, that won't happen to me, but it did, which shouldn't be a surprise because it happened to my dad and my dad was born right around my grandparents. And you're the oldest? Yeah. I'm the oldest of three. Okay, oldest so I've got three. two brothers, um, who are great. Um, and so the three of us, my two parents, um, and then both my dad and my mom's were, grew up in entrepreneurial households. Uh-huh. So my dad's father was a rural mail carrier, but also a private pilot. And he had like a air a taxi service. And then my, he and my grandma were farmers. And so I lived on a farm as a little Is kid. Is this for in a while. Florida? That's in Virginia. In Virginia. Yeah, okay. yeah. So that's where I grew up. Um, what part of Virginia? Uh, they were in the Northern Neck, uh, okay. in a little town called Heathsville. Okay. And if you drive out to the little parts of that, there's a, uh, Clarktown Road. So it's where all the Clarks lived. Um, 
which is kind of fun. Right. So they've been there forever. And that's where my dad grew up. And then wow. um, I lived in different parts of Virginia growing up. Okay. Um, and that's so where did most... I. Oh, did you? Yeah, I grew up in Northern Virginia. Oh, that's so funny. Uh-huh. I lived in, in Centerville, which is Northern Virginia. Centerville. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So. I lived in Arlington. Oh, uh, that's funny. And then Herndon. Yep. And then Loudoun County. So yeah. Like near Percival. Yep. Lived in Hamilton. That's so funny. Yeah. I went to high school in Annandale. Okay. So inside the Beltway. And so, um, and then my dad worked in D.C. for many years. Um, See. And so, yeah, lots of... I didn't know that. Yeah. And lots I went to of, County. Oh, that's And funny. then I went to Valley. Yeah. Yeah. So I went to Thomas Jefferson High School for mm. Science and Technology. Mm-hmm. So... Um, which is for science and technology. Yeah. It's oh. the crowning achievement of my life was getting into a very competitive high school. Okay. According to the high school. Uh, so yeah, it's a funny thing. Um, and so I was up there for a long time and then I moved, um, down here and with the intention to stay for like a year and then it turned into two years. What brought you to Florida? Uh, my friends kind of tricked me a little bit. Okay. Um, but we what were going to go this? to Brooklyn and they were like, uh, one of their brothers said there are more good looking girls in central Florida than in New York city. So you guys should move here. What? Yeah. And I was like, I don't <laughs> never heard that in my life. I don't think that mathematically that could, could be... possibly be true. And they kind of crossed their arms in that friendly posturing way. And they're like, well, we're going. So if you want to come with us, cool. Or you can go to Brooklyn by yourself. Oh, and so we're dang. Like, all right, so I moved down with my friends. Okay. Um, both of whom have moved away, and here I still am. How so, many years ago was that? Uh, twenty years. Twenty years. Almost coming okay. up on twenty years. So I've been here nineteen years. Yeah, I'm. I'm at nineteen, so I okay. hit twenty. Um, Next year. Yeah, and you know, just thought it was a fun place to be for a little while, and mm-hmm. and I'm still around. Still here. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. 19- Six Florida-born kids later. That's amazing. And you want, and you met your hot wife here in... Yeah, well, we met in Africa and Namibia. Oh, okay. Um, so we actually met um, on a mission trip with our church. We were talking about um, AIDS and HIV in the public schools there because they had a massive um, crisis and they needed people to help with education because okay. it, there was such a problem. Um, and especially in the more remote areas, people just didn't didn't know how you got have like sick. education. Yeah, they didn't. That? Yeah, and yeah. so we actually went in the the school system invited us in, and we went into this education stuff. Um, Three hundred people from um, from Northland Church went, which is where I went to church then. Uh, actually, I'm a pastor there now. Okay. Um, because I owe them since I met my wife on the trip, <laughs> and uh, and so we met the last day, and she. Lived but was in, she living in Central no, Florida? She oh lived, no, she lived in St. Pete. It was crazy. But a friend of hers lived here. She had visited the friend, come to the church, heard about the trip, and just thought, oh, gosh, I think I'm supposed to do that. So she signed up. What? As an introverted person, signed up for this trip and went on it, not knowing anybody. And I went. And then that last day, we were at the last meal and just kind of fell into a conversation. Um, I made fun of her outfit as we were boarding the plane to go to Africa, but otherwise we had had no interactions until the, that the last final dinner. night. Yeah. And then it was kind of like a, Oh, that was interesting. And then we just hmm. kept running into each other. Okay. And then I just thought it, the so it third... wasn't like in that moment you were like, no, cause the she one lived so far away and she seemed nice, but that was inconvenient. And, uh, okay. and so then I ran into her <laughs> again. Um, and, and then the third time I just thought, Maybe something's going on here that somebody who lives a hundred miles away from me keeps showing up in 
very different context. Yeah. Okay. Like this probably is not just an accident. So I kind of asked her on a date Mm -hmm. and, um, and though it wasn't like a love at first sight, it, it was an immediate connection. And we went on that date and I don't think we were, but maybe three or four dates in when we were starting to talk about how many kids we should have and was six on that list. No, no, six (laughs) was not on that list. We had a great plan. That is not the plan that happened. Uh Um, But wow. Was it an awesome plan? Better plan. Yeah. Yeah. Um, do you have plans to expand your family? No, 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 because um, good luck buying cars that seat more than eight people. Uh-huh. Um, you can get them. They're just a little awkward, though we've been trying. It's like a passenger van. Like yeah, that. we've been looking at those transits or the um, – there's a bunch of them. But right. So we're still in the minivan camp. But, uh, no, I always uh, – you know, six kids is – is, um, four kids was awesome, and five kids is a great number to stop at, too, and we're at six, and mm-hmm. – and, um, I think this cool? rounds out your. I hope so. Right. <laughs> I hope so. That's a that's a lot of collaging to do. Sure. So. Yeah. And even just a lot of laundry to do right now. I, again, I don't I don't know the capacity of that because just keeping up with one adult is. <laughs> right, I don't right. even do that all that well. Right. So I try not to lose my kids, and so far I've been fairly successful in that. But that's yeah, it's good. a. It's a constant exercise and grace and then asking for forgiveness. Fair enough. So so going back to the vibe of your family as yeah. far as growing up, like what did what did that feel like? What was that experience like? Was it a hostile, hostile environment? Was it like encouraging, loving? Was it no, I think it was, passive? Was it? I, I think it was, um, I think it was nurturing. Mm-hmm. I mean, what family doesn't have... Um, dysfunction and brokenness, but I don't think we sure. were um, defined by that in any exceptional way. I mean, fairly fairly stable. Um, my dad was a federal law enforcement agent. Uh, my mom became a pastor when huh. I was like cool. a teenager, I think. Um, late teen is probably when she finished. She was in seminary for a while, so she was working jobs and going to school. Um and, you know, Northern Virginia is a weird climate to have some of your formative years because in Northern Virginia, in the D.C. area, um, it's all about access, who you know, who you can Power. connect people to. And that's the that's what they trade That's your in. currency. Yeah, it's not, about, it's not about the wealth. It's not about fame. It's not about intellect. Who are it's, you connected to? You? Yeah. yeah. And, what, you, and what your position is. What can you do for me and who are you connected yeah. to? And, um, and so that's just a bit of a weird um, subtext for adolescence, you know, hmm. um, uh, Did you feel your high school was pretty competitive? Oh, I literally went to the most difficult to get into high school, I think, in the whole country. Okay. And so it was like a really bizarre thing to walk around. I mean, people that I went to school with, um, you know, any award someone I went to school with or who graduated from my school has won. Um, it's just, huh. uh, it's it's great out the gates for keeping you humble, because somebody that you went to school with much better than you just way outdid you on the success ladder. Um, but that's cool. You know, it's kind of yeah. liberating not to have to wonder why. Do you keep in touch with some of those folks? Not well. No, no. Cause I had a, I had a really, um, <clears throat> transformative experience right as I went to, to college. I was like the worst waste of space student growing up. Like I just huh. did not focus on my studies. I did not attend class with great regularity. Um, which was just a huge waste of the opportunity that I had. Right. Um, because it really was a very difficult 
um, to get into school. And usually the harder it is to get into school, the more they assume that if you did all that work, you're going to be motivated, take advantage to, and be motivated. Yeah. And I did neither. I was not motivated. I did not take advantage of it. Did um, you pass your classes? Barely. Um, and you got into college because of the high school, you know, as a recruiting tool for future students. My dad went, I went to James Madison university. My dad had gone there. Mm-hmm. Great school. And I really think that it was just an investment in future JMU students that got me in because my, even like my fourth quarter, my wife saw my report card once when we were moving boxes from one house to another. Okay. And it was like four F's and three D's or something my fourth quarter. So like barely graduating. Um, Holy Moses. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but you know, sometimes without, um, without adversity in your life, Hmm. um, you just presume you don't need to do anything. And I was not doing anything. Uh, and then I had this spiritual awakening really where I kind of realized that, um, life was more than the least you could do. Um, Mm -hmm. and I'm so glad that I had that then because otherwise I probably would have wasted college as well in any number of subsequent experiences. Wow. So, and instead it was literally like I, I, um, I mean, it's funny, I, I, figured in order to have more definition to my life, I just needed to screw up really badly. And then I could experience at least a redemption story uh-huh. um, because I had, you know, it took a lot of work to achieve. Hmm. So maybe I could just screw up, which would be easier. And then I could experience some of the redemption I'd always heard about in these church camps and stuff like that. And then for far less effort, I could still have a great story. I love stories too, just like <laughs> you. And I was like, this will be great. I'll have an amazing story. And all I have to do is find some sin to use, you know, churchy language. Right. And so I was like, what's the best place to screw up? A college party. So, so I went to my first college party to okay. do whatever bad things that I could, you know, using that sort of moral rigid language right. and then walked in the door. And instead of seeing an opportunity for failure, I actually just kind of was like, it, it, you know, I couldn't imagine a, um, a dumber place to be than that particular party. Like mm. nobody seemed like they wanted to be there. Um, nobody was actually having fun. Uh, it just smelled like sweaty teenagers. College, in right, the college kids. Yeah. And, um, and, and I just was had it this, like a light bulb moment. It, it was, or? I walked in that door and 30 seconds later, I turned around to those new friends and said, I don't want to be here. I don't want to be here. I said, you know what? I'm going to head back. Have fun. And I turned around and walked back to my dorm. Okay. Um, because I just realized maybe doing the least wasn't the best way to get the life that I would want. And I didn't even know what the life, what I would want was, but if that is that was it. That's not what I wanted. Right. And, um, and so I turned around, I didn't quite know what to do, but I did have a light bulb moment. And this friendly guy had helped me move in and told me I should come to a Bible study, um, which I was thoroughly disinterested in. And, um, but I, I just didn't know who else to call. So I called him and said, Hey, what are you doing? Right. And he said, well, why don't you come hang out with us? And, um, and, and I just found a, a slightly different, more fulfilling, not slightly different, but a more, uh, fulfilling approach to life, I think. Um, and so, you know, a lot of those things from family of origin were, I'm so thankful because I don't know where I would have ended up. Um, because I tried to aim for some self-destruction on purpose as a life strategy, Mm -hmm. which I do not recommend. Were your Uh, parents like, 
trying to intersect that or like be what are you what are you no. okay Nathan like get your life together or are no, they just kind I wasn't of like doing anything oh okay it was I just was like more literally like, I, I actually thought but they I didn't care well, that you get F's and no they cared mightily about that okay <laughs> <laughs> no 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 I spend a significant of time grounded in various forms um and I wasn't a bad kid outside of the grades and and I wasn't a bad kid because generally speaking being bad even takes effort I was just so lethargic um you know, I was like the most, the weirdest combination of manic and passive you could possibly put together. Um, so if it took a lot of effort, I didn't want to do it. But if it was a lot of fun and took no effort, I was all for it. Um, and so if school didn't involve homework, I would have been there. I like hmm. learning. Learning has always been fun. Okay. But I don't want to do the work. Or at least I didn't then. So it was a weird tension because like. Fair enough. Yeah. I, you know, just aimless. Mm-hmm. You know, it was just such a textbook aimless window of time for me um and then i i just kind of had like you said a light bulb moment and just realized um what maybe a little direction would do for life Mm -hmm. if you don't mind me asking what years were you at jmu um 96 through 2000 okay so so I probably visited JMU a handful of times oh, during funny. those years that's because so my funny. best friend from high school went to JMU along yeah. with like a bunch of friends that I had. So Loudoun Valley and Loudoun County yeah, fed yeah. into JMU. Tons of Loudoun people there. And UVA and all that kind of yeah, stuff. Yeah, yeah. So I was not good enough for UVA, but... No, that's, <laughs> that's where the kids that paid attention at your high school yeah, went. Um, that's so funny. So there's a good chance because I um, am probably extroverted enough for a room full of people. Mm-hmm. And um, my first weekend at JMU, I was in the largest dorm on campus, and I went door to door and met all the girls. I met most of the guys along the way, but I made a point of making sure <laughs> I met every single every single female in my dorm. It took me just a man few hours. with the mission, you know. So what was like your, what was your personality or your vibe like within like middle school, high school, college? Like, were you extroverted? Were you like, I don't, like you said aimless. So like, was it just kind of like, like, what was your demeanor like? Um, there, I mean, I don't think that I run into people who I haven't seen since I was a kid who don't see a lot of the same personality trait. You know, um, I think your so personality remained pretty yeah. like constant. I think typically barring trauma, your personality remains fairly shaped over the course of your life, though you do mature a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's it's more like, um, you know, there are there are so many different types of toys where you can shake them up and then eventually they'll kind of like pop or explode in a certain direction. Mm-hmm. You just didn't know which way I was going to go um, uh. because I didn't I just didn't have any any internal framework aiming me. Okay. Um, so that's been the, the, the biggest shifts. Um, and I think a lot of the things that I might've done for my own benefit back then, now I might be more motivated for your benefit. And I don't think that was really a part of my life. Hmm. So. Okay. So as we grow up, we get to shape, as we become adults, then we really shape our own worlds as far yeah, as, yeah. yeah, where we want to be and who we want to be. Um, in your adult life, has there been a moment that has been um, a season or a moment or an event that had had a lot of um, 
impact on you that was really hard for you or like a kind of like a heartbreak or a devastating moment or anything that was like this happened maybe it was in your control or out of your control and then kind of how did you move out of that you know that's that is such a hard question for me to answer um because i you know i had a a dear friend once described me as the most irrational optimist he'd ever known Uh um and you know i said with every ounce of honesty and integrity that i have i told somebody once that every um every one of my last 15 16 years has been better than the one before um and he he just looked at me he's like how in the world could that be the case and i was like ah i don't know actually uh-huh. that's a great question because there are certainly um challenges and struggles and adversities and losses that i've gone through mm-hmm. um but I think some part of the way that I've been um, shaped and put together, those aren't the things that I usually look at the most or spend the most time reflecting on. Um, so that's just, that's a, that's a tricky question. This episode of Cocktails in Conversation is brought to you by The Welcome House. The Welcome House is an Airbnb in Orlando, Florida that loves to host people in small gatherings. It's got everything you need to relax and entertain, including your own private entrance to the spacious room with its own full bathroom and living room area. It also includes access to the large pool and an outdoor dining area. This spot is perfect to restore and renew. And if you're coming into town for the attractions, they are only 20 minutes away. And you can also get to the beach in under an hour. So if you are looking for a staycation or coming to enjoy all that Orlando has to offer, the Welcome House is your perfect place to stay. Just search the Welcome House on Airbnb. As I nod my head and chew on my lip. That might be a very seven thing. Well, yeah, of course. You know, um, I mean, we're, we're all trapped in the frames that we're made in, you know, Mm. so that's, I mean, part of what I love about community so much is sometimes it actually takes, um, it takes other people to help you see yourself. Sure. And so there have certainly been times, um, I mean, there's some, there's some things that I really was trying to achieve through, through Wondermaid, through these business things before. And a friend of mine, like just had the perspective on me that I was missing to say, why are you trying to do that thing when it doesn't line up with any of the other things that you actually value the most about the rest of your life? Like maybe, maybe the reason it's not working is because that's not actually the thing you even want to do. And the reason it's, um, it's killing you is because it would lead you to death anyways, if you'd really tried to make it happen. Um, and he was so right. Mm-hmm. And my wife was so thankful because she had been saying the same thing to me in different ways. For, you weren't hearing it. Yeah. And I just, I wasn't. So, um, yeah. Yeah. Has there, on the flip side of that, has there anything in your kind of adult world that you felt like a moment of intense pride in or really, like, I think it's beautiful that to have the perspective of like, I've really worked really hard for this and now it, it has manifested and I'm really proud that we've, I've worked towards this and that it came to fruition. Yeah. Um, 
lots of them. Like a lot of them. Okay. I mean, I could give the t- the typical like parent answer. You know, when you see your kid do a thing that they don't realize you see them doing, especially when you have a high schooler. Mm-hmm. And, um, and you know, historically, a high schooler was an adult. Like, they weren't still a kid. You know, my oldest is 15. Mm-hmm. You know, you go back not very far. Uh, in fact, uh, we just saw in the Vietnam Memorial that the youngest person killed in Vietnam was 15. And so, like... You don't have to go back far in history for 15-year-olds to be fully adults. Sure. And so getting to see him do small things here and there in life and, and love people generously and um, be the last one sticking around to help somebody who is in need, those are, those are moments. Um, but, you know, really, anytime, anytime there's someone that I um, – love and have invested in, whether as a friend or, mm-hmm. um, as a staff or, um, whatever, um, seeing people experience transformation in life is probably, probably one of the greatest things that you can witness when you're really sure. invested in pouring into someone. Mm-hmm. Um, because I know that's my life, like where, where, who I was versus who I am. It didn't happen by accident. It didn't happen because of me. Um, there's just been a multitude of people who have come around me and loved me despite my screw ups and failures. Right. Um, and they're the ones who should get far more of the credit. I mean, it's like with birthdays, right? The person who did the most of the work to make your birthday happen. Is it your mom? It's your mom. <laughs> and she's not getting gifts. She's making the cake and doing whatever, you know? Right. Um, and so I always think that anytime, anytime I, um, I experience something that's a success for me, that's actually more of a reflection on the people who help me to get where I am. Mm -hmm. And so the most rewarding things for me are typically when the people who I've loved as well as I can, Hmm. um, when they themselves experience successes. Yeah. That's like my favorite. That's your favorite. That's my favorite. That's a great answer. Thanks. Yeah. It's a great question. Well, I, yeah, I've never had that answer before. So that's a, if, if the perspective of like, how we as humans can enrich the people around us was the MO for everybody. It would be a beautiful, um, like a, a, a beautiful, like way to, to see people grow. And then like how we could have community within people that are help healthy, happy, like operating in their gifts. Wouldn't that be amazing? Wouldn't that be amazing? Yeah. yeah. It would be, it would be. Yeah. Yeah. It's very, um, Humbling to have people invest in you and then to see how you can invest in kind of the people that are coming up alongside of you or after yeah. you. Well, and that's such a great way to put it because it literally requires humility to acknowledge that you need someone's help. <sighs> and who amongst us wants to start a relationship or even a relationship we already have by saying, hey, there's a deficiency of mine yeah. that I try usually hard to keep hidden but you might be able to help me, mm-hmm. um, or actually maybe you'll sabotage me now that I've told you, um, you know, and people don't usually do the second that one. That trust. Yeah. yeah. But it's, um, it's a, it's a hard thing. It's so much easier to pretend like we've got it all together. Yeah, you're all set and I'm fully <laughs> formed and I got all the answers and, mm-hmm. um, and you know, give me your, your adoration and your money and give me whatever the stuff is because sure. I am the alpha, mm-hmm. um, and it's mm. just not, it's a, it's a, it's just a path to destruction. If you go that route, sure. It's not going to end well for you or anybody around you. 
So along those lines, I think it's interesting to, uh, we're going to jump into the next topic, which is my, one of my favorites, which is the Enneagram. Yes. Which I know that you are familiar with. Yeah. Uh, it is something I could talk about all day. And I know that you mentioned, um, Stefan's podcast that we got to talk about a lot, which was really fun. Um, if you aren't familiar with the Enneagram, I usually kind of say it's kind of like a roadmap of personalities. So there's nine different types. Um, every type is, I think, I, I think story is so important. And I think Enneagram is also reflective of how, our DNA shapes us. I think that we are created intrinsically very different. And I think story shapes that. And then also kind of like our, our nature shapes us as well. And being, I think aware is vitally important for Mm. self-awareness and like, how am I inhabiting a space? And then also, um, whether you're leading a team or in relationships or, um, you know, personal development and growth, like being able to, uh, kind of like we were talking about, understand people well, as far as where they are at, so they can be loved well and known well, and that we can have communication that works because sometimes we are very vastly created very differently. Yeah. Um, which is why I love the Enneagram and just being able to have kind of like that knowledge. And so what would you say that you are on the Enneagram? Uh, so I should first say <laughs> that I used to always take these things from a, who do I think that I am? And I was challenged once that um, our eyes were meant to look out, not to look in. And so if a whole bunch of people tell you you're a thing mm-hmm. and you think you're a different thing, they are probably right and you mm-hmm. are probably wrong, especially when it relates to things like personality and who you sure. are. And so um, I did try to guess different things, but I am pretty confident I'm a seven mm-hmm. as everyone that I know has, has also confirmed that. Me. Yes. <laughs> yes. Uh, first challenge and then confirmed. And, and, uh, and so go Did team you, seven. Yeah. Go team seven. Did you, um, automatically, um, agree that you were a seven? You know, I've gotten better over time. There's so many different personality theories and systems uh-huh. and, um, at this point, I've learned how wrong I am and how often that happens. And so I didn't fight much this time around. Okay. But I was kind of like, I, I could be a seven, but I could be a three or I could be an eight. And mm-hmm. and then I started to say I could be. And, and I think my wife was like, there's only nine. So you should just stop now. There's one of them. And it's not the three or the eight. You're, hmm. you're just a seven. And I was sure. like, are you sure? Because <laughs> she kind of gave me that look like we've had this conversation so many times before. Yeah. And so, um, I said, well, help me understand that. So it's the beginning of wisdom. And when, instead of saying no, you say, help yeah. me understand. And she kind of talked me through it and, and, um, and then just spent some time. Um, and she's right. She's right. She's right. Yes. Um, yeah. So if you've had the joy of meeting Nathan, uh, you're a very, uh, effervescent, uh, individual and a person that loves, I think to do all the things, you know, like sevens are like the highest, one of the highest energy people, which you, um, in your position, I think obviously it, it serves you well to be able to have that, that high level of energy and wanting to be all the, do all the things, be in all the places, yeah. be around people kind of as much as you can. And, um, yeah, sevens are, are the ones that are 
the the fun and and the life of the party often. And then also ones, uh, seven is the enthusiast, which is, yeah, if you don't know, um, very does describe me pretty well. I kind of love everything. Right. Which serves you pretty well within your business that you have created. Um, but just having the perspective of there is so much to know in life and to enjoy in yeah. life and the beauty of um, celebrating, right? Yeah. All the things. Um, and all the people. And, and all the people. All the things and all the people. Yeah. My dad was a seven, so he... Oh, that's so funny. Yeah, just wanted to be at every... He wanted to shake every hand. He, <laughs> he, like, he loved... He loved being around people. Um, you should and, coach my kids on how to survive that. Yeah, we would be like sitting in the car after church and be like, I mean, he was just still doing his thing, you know. Like yep. he, it didn't, it did not matter to him whether so you were the guy behind the counter at McDonald's yeah. or, I mean, he was in the Oval Office with you know Ronald Reagan having his things signed, you know. So yes. he just so loved being. Um, around people, which I think is such a beautiful thing and such a needed thing to see, see that there is so much to enjoy within life and and, in that beauty. And then on the other hand, and then on the other hand, (laughs) sevens sometimes, um, have a mission to avoid pain. Yeah. Right. And so to see the flip side of that, which is sometimes, uh, all the things that aren't fun. Yeah. And, right. And escaping that by hopping to the next thing or just. I mean, it's what I said earlier. <laughs> and it's not even, I, w- I would say as a seven, it's not always about pain avoidance. Um, it's really not. I mean, it's like a moth isn't into dark avoidance. They're just mm-hmm. drawn to the light. Right. And so it's not that I'm, I don't think it's that I'm avoiding the pain as much as there's these other things that are so much more attractive mm-hmm. and have a magnetic pull that I end up stepping away from my hurt, sometimes prematurely, mm. possibly to great cost because there might be situations I need to deal with, but there's this but instead, bright and shiny, <laughs> wonderful thing calling right. and beckoning. And, um, and so sometimes, um, sometimes I can be flighty in those situations. Mm-hmm. Um, and I used to get so like, no, I'm not avoiding the things. Um, but the byproduct of the draw was that I was avoiding things. Mm-hmm. That's just not the motivation behind it. Sure. Which is, um, and we're all in varying levels of health, right? Yeah, so yeah a exactly healthy right. seven could, could, uh, be could, very aware of that and yeah. step into the acknowledgement of that and also address things. And then also know that, it's a tendency to be aware of and, and then also address things when they need to. I mean, obviously we all have to address pain. Yeah, yeah. Um, and in, in health, we look a certain way and then in, in un- stress, unhealth, though, in stress though, a seven who is going through difficult times. What does that look like for you? Um, you know, I've, uh, I've been lucky not to operate out of stress. Um, I mean, a lot of those things are compounding, you know, so, um, being in a position of stress, be it internal or external, um, that you don't acknowledge or deal with often leads to subsequent larger situations of stress. Mm. And so, I mean, it's like with, uh, it's like with directions, you know, if, if you're sailing from one place to another and you don't stop to confirm and you're just off by a little bit of the 
beginning, you end up really off at the end. Right. And so, um, I've, you know, fortunately I've not been in a place where I have had such a cycle of unhealth or stress that has gotten really sideways. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but it's just the funniest, um, because what, you know, if you have, it's, it's like emotional leprosy, you know, like if you're a leper, the problem is just that you don't realize that you have wounds and there are Mm. issues when you don't dress those wounds, um, and you will end up losing fingers or limbs Mm -hmm. or eventually your life because you'll have such a problem that you can't, you physically can't tell that there are issues. Mm -hmm. And, and I think that can be when you're operating out of unhealth, what a seven will go through, especially because if you're operating out of stress, you're also, um, a glutton for everything. So you're also imbalanced, mm-hmm. you know, so not only are you, are you bleeding out or you at risk of losing things, but you're also putting more and more burden on yourself, mm-hmm. um, where there's no capacity for balance. So you're making the problem worse as the problem that you're not addressing is getting worse. And so on both sides, you end up losing out. And I think yeah, where it good. usually lands is just a complete crash. You know, all this stuff breaks. Right. The relationships break. The the expectations break. Right. Uh, your heart breaks. I think all the stuff. Um, I think that that would be the inevitable conclusion. Right. Um. So, but again, you know, fortunately, I haven't, I haven't gotten that far, and and my wife is not a seven. Uh, my kids would not survive that. Uh, she's a. My gosh! I know. Right. Oh my, my gosh. gosh! What would that be? Would there be dinner on the table? No. No. One meal a day, no. maybe, and then another day, eight meals. So stockpile, you know. Right. Um, Do you no. know what your wife's number yeah, is? Yeah, she's a five. She's a five. Okay. And so I think that's actually that. a really good pairing mm-hmm. because where I want to do everything, she kind of wants to do nothing sometimes, um, and where I were. You know, she is as introverted as I am extroverted. And you know, how has that been to navigate within your marriage? Oh, great. Because yeah. we've, I mean, our commitment has been, um, let's do this as well as we possibly can. Okay. Um, and so we are really good on as soon as there are issues, we talk about them. Uh, our first year of marriage, I'm not sure many days went by that didn't involve a, I'm so sorry. So wait, what happened? How did that go wrong? Very challenging and painful, but very wonderful. Mm-hmm. Um, because better to tackle those at the beginning than let them linger on. That's a lot of emotional intelligence to be able to step into that space and have the vulnerability and the, um, the I don't know, courage. But to I think there's so much pain with avoiding things. Yeah, yeah. Right? So to say... Let's be honest and really honest. Yeah. Even though when it's like not fun or comfortable, but to yeah. to like really step into that. Yeah, and so, I just so we, early we've on. seen enough great marriages and seen enough bad marriages and learn um, that it's that's one of the things that's worth asking people what the difference was. Hmm. And um, so tackling things when they're small and not big was a common theme, right? And so we were like, all right, let's try. So that. honoring that, I think like in, in real time, in those moments, like even when you're like, oh, we just went through this yesterday, <laughs> we're going to go through this again today. I know, right? Yeah. Um, I think that that's. But it's worth it. And, and so we've navigated, I mean, like there are things like to me, my wife would say when we first, first years of marriage, what time are you coming home? And I'd be like, uh, five. 
well, that was always an approximation. <laughs> and so five, six, seven, they're about the same time. And so right. at 4.30, I'd start leaving. But then if I saw someone... I got to talk to him. And so I talked to people and then things would come up and we'd work on stuff and I get home eventually. Right. And she finally was like, you can't, you can't do that. You can tell me seven or six or five. Those are all fine, but you have to do mm-hmm. what you say you do. Mm-hmm. And then the, the, um, so little things like that were really helpful. Right. And then, and then just realizing that if you're a stranger on the street and and I want to, I, this is funny language, want to love you well, but want to be able to care for you, mm-hmm. um, I actually have to start in the middle. Like, I probably won't care for my kids all that better than I care for my wife. Giant shout out, single parents do an amazing thing that I don't know how to do and not Seriously. sure I could do. Um, but I think in, in, a, in a place of, of ideal, um, if I want to love my kids, I got to start by loving my wife. Mm-hmm. Um, and if I want to love my neighbors, I got to make sure I'm loving my kids and my wife. And if I want to love my, uh, my staff, my clients, my customers, um, at Wondermaid, or if I want to love the congregation at Northland where, you know, I've got so many hats that they wear, but if I want to, if I want to love people, um, at the Your edges of life, the foundation be, has yeah. to be rooted in those practices. And, um, because your kids see all the stuff. I mean, we have an old house with plaster walls, but we're still in the same house. Everything that happens in the house, they see, they hear, they know. Mm-hmm. And so um, if they hear me telling people to do one sort of thing and see me doing another, mm. they're actually they're going to learn the worst possible version of it. That you can say one thing and do another and then nobody's the wiser. Um, and who who wants that in their life? Sure. You know? And so, um, so that's, that's been, um, that's been a lot of how we worked through those things. And I would want to stay out every night, hanging out with people until mm-hmm. four in the morning. And my wife <laughs> my does dad. not, you know, Fair enough. um, and so there have been many times she's helped me learn when it's okay for me. And often it's just me asking, right. You know, is it okay if I spend 20 more minutes talking to 15 more people? And then if the answer is no, then you, then I go, then you go. Yeah. Yeah. Cause I've got. Seven people in the car waiting for me to take care of them. <clears throat> yes. And keep in mind, I'm not saying by any means that I do any of these things perfectly or sometimes even all that well. Sure. Um, but, um, gosh, that's been so pivotal for us because, mm. you know, um, we've got a lot of points of failure in our life. And so at any point, we could fail yeah. hard. You know, and there's a lot of things, like I said, that I am juggling as much mm-hmm. as I like to think that I have a conservative load on, on my shoulders. Um, and I don't want those things to crash. Sure. Um, and so it has been good having, you know, being married to somebody who is wired so differently, who sees things so that she can help me see um, the areas of risk and failure that I would actually see as probably strength and opportunity when maybe they're not. Mm-hmm. Um, and for me to do the same with for her. her. Sure. Yeah. Um, which has been, it's, fun. it is, it is. Yeah. I, I have found that it's quite interesting to, to honestly ask people into that, to, to say like, how do you see me and, yeah. to, and to have people that you have confidence in and, and that know that they care for you and have the best for you. Yeah. yeah. But, um, so like I took the test and I tested as a seven Yeah. and I was like, Oh, okay. I was like, Oh, I can uh, like, yeah, yeah. I kind of see that, but I don't know. I'm not really. And so a friend of mine, Stefan was like, Oh no, you're definitely an eight. And yeah. I was yeah. Like, mm, yeah. I don't think I, I don't want to be an eight. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't want to be a seven. 
And that's what he says it. Because you see the downsides. Yes. And you don't even see yourself. And so. Right. But then when I read the eight, I was yeah. like, holy shmoly. Um, <laughs> yep. Uh, I was like, did they, I, do they know me? Did they write right. this about me? Right. It was like so eerily spot on. Um, and getting your, I think your number right, I think is an important thing because I think that will help you within growth and identifying oh, very much. correctly. And so it asks, so when people t- ask me about like, oh, do I, t-? I was like, take the test. But I also advise to ask people in your life that have the insight to say, how do I, in- how do I inhabit this space? How do you view me? Like, is this correct? Do you see this being a yeah, correct yeah. thing? Invest in a workshop. Um, if you go to counseling, maybe engage your, yeah, you know, yeah. like somebody that knows our, our natural tendencies to be able to speak, to speak well. Into you know, that. I, I tell people if there's someone in your life that knows you really well, have them take the test for you. Huh. And, um, and I've actually found yeah. often that works really well, especially if there's two or three people you can do that with. Right. So if you're married and your relationship with your spouse is in a place of health, have them take that test on your behalf. Hmm. Um, if you've got a couple of friends who know you very well or mm-hmm. a parent or a sibling or whatever. Um, but also knowing that the test doesn't, isn't the end all. It is not the end all. Right. Um, but, but there are often times in which we are just incapable of answering objectively. objectively. It's not that it's not honest because you're doing your best, but you just, again, you don't see yourself. You know, I have never actually seen myself. I've looked in a mirror, but that's a reflected image. I've looked on a camera or on a uh, holding a picture or whatever right. or my phone, but those are mediated platforms. I have I will never in my entire life outside, see myself be outside of your body yeah. too. And yeah. so of course I don't see myself as clearly because right. I've never seen myself. Mm-hmm. Um, but especially when you're a person like me who's so extreme on these personality tests. <laughs> Um, I mean, there are people who have hung out with me very, very few times who could take that test and probably land at a result just as accurate as what I would come up with. Sure. Um, and so, yeah, definitely dive in more. Don't just scratch the surface, but also it might be a fun exercise, maybe a little scary too, right. um, to have some other people do that for you with and maybe you. do that with them and, mm-hmm. and see where that takes you and, and maybe just hold the whole thing with open palms enough that if what they said is different than what you thought, maybe that's a great conversation, mm-hmm. you know, well, wait, how, really? how, how do I, yeah, how, I how thought do I, I was, affect you in that way? Uh-huh. I mean, if you know, in the Myers-Briggs, I thought I was an ENFP uh-huh. and I tested like it for 15 years. And I argued so much with people who told me I was an ENTP. And then one day I realized, ah, oh my gosh, they right. were right. They were all right. Because they I all am, see you. I am goal driven. Mm-hmm. Um, and I love people so much. But the way I arrange my relationships is actually around the goals that we can share together. Right. And so if I want to be in a relationship with someone, then I'm going to arrange my life so that that person and I do a thing together. Yeah, and I think being honest about that. Oh, it's been so helpful. Right. Um, and also just in, you know, it explains so many of my failings, not mm. as an excuse, but so that I could I could fail less spectacularly, mm. you know? So my next question is actually like, so how has kind of like um, knowing, knowing the Enneagram made you more aware, like yeah. in your relationships and in your leadership um, yeah. style? Well, so... Um, in a general sense, 
So let me, let me go general first and I'll go specific. Yeah. Um, so I think my, my favorite um, Bible verse from the past couple of years has been in Ephesians 2.10 where it talks about we are God's masterpiece, right? And that's a revolutionary concept in a world where most people, most of the time are told what they're not worth. They're told where they fail, where they fall short. Mm. And to hear, to read in, in the Bible that you are God's masterpiece is it's crazy. And it goes on and says that we're created for the plans and purposes that, that God set aside in advance for us to do. Mm-hmm. And um, that's a nutty, nutty thing. But a masterpiece isn't snapped into being, you know. Um, I remember seeing um, Starry Night for the first time. And it was mm-hmm. mind-blowing because what I would never considered, having only seen it on screens, is that that painting has depth. Like the brush strokes, you can see, see them. Yeah. yeah. And suddenly it struck me, this painting was actually painted. I only ever thought about it like a noun and not a verb. That it was constructed. That at some point the canvas was blank. Yeah. Then the canvas was messy. Then you started to see a semblance of the end product and then it was done. But that means that if it's true that we are masterpieces, then then we are probably still in in process Hmm. and that maybe we're in the messy phase. But the other piece that's so big for me, and this is where the personality theory kicks in is that what's it take to put together a masterpiece? Well, if it's a painting, you need a palette and you need the oils and the pigments and you need the canvas and you need the brushes Mm -hmm. and, and you need all of these different things to work together to make that painting come out the right way. Mm -hmm. Um, and so that's been so helpful because sometimes we like to think that anyone who's not like us is just screwed up. You know, mm. why didn't you do the thing the way I would have done it? The way I would have done it, right? Um, when in fact, seriously, when in fact, yeah. what kind of masterpiece would you get if all you had was canvas? What kind of masterpiece would you mm. get if all you had were brushes? Right. If all you had was oil, if all you had was pigment, like all of those things need to work together in concert in order to get the thing you're supposed to get. You know, and of course, as somebody who follows Jesus, I'm, you need a master as well, but he's going to bring all these things together for the final product. And yeah. so with personality theory, like I, I don't want to inhabit a world of nothing but sevens. Lord, where Holy would we be? Cow, right? <laughs> right. Yeah. Um, and, and so I actually need, the I need threes. all nine. I need, I need the, the threes. I need the yeah. fives. I need, and, and not so that I can make them me. But because they are going to help bring about bring things in my life so unique. and I'm going to bring things about in their life. And together we're going to form a community mm-hmm. that is a collection. It's a gallery. It's a collection of masterpieces in a way that on our own, we would never, I mean, who would go to any art gallery? Maybe if you're like super modernist and it's whatever, but where it was like canvas is over in that wing and the brushes are over in that right. wing. Like what would... What would that actually be? No, it's the assembly of all the different things together mm-hmm. um, that brings about some pretty profound work, whether that's a painting or a human. Right. Um, and so in a general sense, that has been, that's been the thing for me is realizing that um, my own development is going to come out of the people that I spend my life with. Sure. Um, and that my purpose to be here might just be more than any achievements the people who I'm in relationship with Mm -hmm. pouring into them. It's not the accolades. It's not the bank accounts. It's not, um, it's not any of the, the normal gold star things It's actually, it's actually all about people. Mm -hmm. Um, and so that's, I think that's become 
very much a governing principle for, for my wife and I both that we build our business around, that we try to drive as much into our communities as possible and around our church. And, mm-hmm. and, and I think as a seven, I just have to remember the downsides as much as the upsides. Like the awareness, self-awareness. Yeah. No one feels bit. like they're worth anything if somebody is fully present with them for about 30 seconds and then goes on to the next thing. Hmm. Like that doesn't actually make you feel better. That makes you feel worse. You know, it feels like you just interacted with a charlatan. Um, and so that's, um, having the end goal, the destination in mind, Mm -hmm. um, which is people, you know, um, and, and community building, um, has been a helpful filter to interpret how I apply who I am to the situations I walk into. Yeah. That's beautiful. Could you actually give us a a brief glimpse, um, into your, your roles? I mean, it feels like you have like five jobs, but like, what does Nathan do and and what, what have you created? Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, greatest creation of all is the wonder fam. The six children, my wife and I have, um, ushered into this world. She Uh did most of the ushering and then I just (laughs) steward. And, um, so we've got the six kids. Um, we did start a, a business, Wonder Made. Mm-hmm. Um, we make the world's best marshmallows, fantastic ice cream, mm-hmm. hot chocolates. We've got a shop in downtown Sanford mm-hmm. that's super fun. We ship them all around the world. Um, we've been in you know a whole bunch of magazines and TV shows. Do you know the farthest place that you ship um, Wonder Made? I don't like shipping because it's a giant pain in my butt, but we've shipped to like 10 or 15 different countries. I mean, Australia is pretty far away. Yeah. We've been in like a lot of Australian press and British press and German press. Um, Congratulations. Yeah. I think we have shipped to all the continents, um, all the states. This holiday season, we're in um, about a, a lot of the Macy's. Um, we're, we're the marshmallows at the um, Tiffany hot chocolate bars and lots of stores and just lots of fun stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, we've been doing that for years. The name wonder made actually comes out of the 139th song where we are fearfully and wonderfully made. Uh-huh. Um, and so wonder made the name itself isn't a statement on the quality of the product though. I like to think we do have a quality product. Sure. It's actually more about who the people we're serving are and how they're made. And if Aww. you are made with all the wonder of God, uh-huh. then I cannot sell you a second rate marshmallow. That is not deserving wow. of status. All right. And so it's actually our gut check and the way we interact with everyone, our customers, our our vendors, our staff, mm-hmm. our community. Um, so we've been doing that for seven years. We absolutely love it. Wow. Marshmallows are great. I eat way too many marshmallows, way too much ice cream. Um I'm also, uh, how do you limit your kids on that? <laughs> or do you, or like, uh, the, perk of the, the family? I'm a seven. So moderation so is you're not like, my right? key. Um, but if you're not in the place where the stuff is, you can only eat so much of it. Okay. So, um, so we just try not to be casual about, Hey, let's just pop into wonder Man again. Just an open, yeah, yeah. open policy. Cause it would be like a buffet. Right. A candy buffet and a healthy child probably aren't overlapping much in a Venn diagram. Right. Um, and so, so it is funny and the kids love it. Just, uh, yesterday was teach-in day. And so I went to the elementary school and brought marshmallows and I'm sure the teachers really loved you. They actually loved it. They think it's right. great. And some of these kids have been in class with my kids for so long that one of them was like, you did this with me in first grade. And, uh, and my wife and I do like the field trip. So we get to know the kids, but they do love that. Um, 
So they do eat a lot of candy. Okay. Um, but we try not to make it like What a, a great family to be in. I know. It's really... It's, Getting candy was like my childhood like goal. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I get it. That was yeah. mine too. And then we eat all of it. had a very health conscious mother. Oh, and gosh. so there was seasons like of like no candy, like at all, yeah. just across the board. So like they'd throw everything out. Um, and I, I, I have such a sweet tooth. So growing up, like my, my whole, and then sometimes they would like allow a little bit, but hmm. man, like ice cream is like one of my, uh, Achilles heels, if yeah. you will. Um, even into this day, I have to like moderate that, but man, as a kid, I was like, and number one goal, find candy and eat candy. Well, and I should acknowledge part of what started Wonder Maid was me hearing on NPR, a nutritionist say that candy's not all that bad for you. Okay. Isn't that amazing? Yeah. Candy's actually kind of small. And he said, having a little bit of sweet mm-hmm. here and there is totally fine as long as you're eating all the other stuff. Right. So what Jen In and I... In moderation. Yeah. yeah. So we, we do moderate, but also we we eat pretty well at home. Mm-hmm. Um, I do have a, a weakness for Chick-fil-A. But um, aside from that, you know, we eat pretty well at home, lots of vegetables, lots of fruit, uh, mm-hmm. lots of fresh. Um, and so part of it is it's not like they're eating only candy there's mm-hmm. um a preponderance of the right stuff and then also you get to also work in. candy yes! um and then we <laughs> actually we don't have we have ice cream and, and candy in like marshmallows at home but we don't have any other we rarely have um hopefully this checks out with my wife but we rarely have a lot of the junk food that i would have craved growing mm. up um and so you know we'll have like crackers but we don't really like have chips. Skittles we don't have soda. Or, we don't right. have regular candy. Yeah. Um, so it's, you know, it's Wonder Maid or nothing, um, which, which also helps. I'll take it. Yeah, yeah. That's amazing. So that's one of the hats. And then I'm also a um, pastor at Northland Church, which I've been there for like 15 and a half years. Bonkers. Yeah, which is nuts. Right. And so, um, and so I just do pastory things. You know, I, um, I preach occasionally. We've got other preachers. Um, but a lot of what I do is just uh, meeting up with people, especially families with kids. It's hard. Um, but, you know, my thing in life, uh, I love helping people get from where they are to the place they're supposed to be. Mm. Um, that's probably, I mean, you heard me say it earlier. That's just one of my favorite things. Yeah. And whether that place is um, is business, whether that place is relationships, whether that place is kids, whether that place is whatever it is, um, who likes to journey alone, especially when you're not quite sure of your destination? I mean, most of us love someone coming alongside us. Absolutely. And, um, and so I like to just to connect with people yeah. um, and um, and help. You know, it's just a mm-hmm. it's a it's a super fun thing. Um, and in some ways, I think the two are not actually all that dissimilar, um, whether I'm helping you by giving you ice cream or mm-hmm. marshmallows um, or connecting you with God or talking about, um, Jesus. And I mean, really, you know, in the Bible, the, the things are, we're made to love God and love others. And so, um, who doesn't want to be able to love people better? Yeah. I mean, really, really? that might be scary and you might suppress that urge cause you want to, you're in a place of scarcity, Yeah, but really like loving people better. That's, that's awesome. That is awesome. And so it's pretty cool that I get to, to, spend most of my life helping people and the reward of that love. kindness yeah yeah like well there's just an immediate feedback loop and um everybody likes to be around people who love well 
Yeah. I mean, really. So. It's been really exciting to see Wonder Maid grow over Thanks. all the years, which is, yeah, I think a, a beautiful reflection on this community, which is, I think, a really cool place yeah. to be and see amazing products come out of this community, which I, I feel like Wonder Maid is, is a great pil- pillar in that and just how, how you have how you've grown. Um, what are some of the parts of growth that have been like the easiest for you? Uh, the parts that we weren't responsible for, those were easy. Okay. Uh, I mean, we, um, we started selling stuff because random sites started writing about us and it wasn't part of a concerted PR effort or marketing campaign. And so we just, just like organically. Yeah. We just fell into a lot of exposure that correlated with sales far in excess of any skill set we had. Wow. Um, and, um, and you know, that's not, um, we spent a lot of time on the branding and on the narrative and mm-hmm. on the storytelling. And are you um, a, um, a, a graphic designer? Yeah. My background's in branding and design. So that does help. I yes, don't want to diminish huge. that. Yeah. Um, but it's not like we had this grand strategy for how everything would work. And here we are all these years later and every single thing on the list um, more that the, the branding and design background helped us prioritize our values. If we want to make mm-hmm. people feel significant in the way we do this, the quality of the marshmallows has to be really high. The flavor profiles have to be really awesome. The packaging, it should feel like the kind of gift you would get from someone who loves you. Mm-hmm. You know, when you get a special gift from a special person, it's usually presented in such a way that you immediately just feel uh, cared for and attended to. Yeah. And so from the outset, we wanted to do that. We didn't want to just make commodity anything because most of the time in life, you go through life being treated like the value you bring to the table. If right. you go to fast food places, they treat you like you're worth five bucks. So of course you don't like the way you feel there. Mm-hmm. Um, but what would it be like if, if money wasn't an object and we could help people remember right. how valuable they, they are? So that's yeah. the stuff that we, that was as far as our strategy went. Okay. Um, and then, you know, just a, a lot of good fortune led to um, some exposure that, again, I don't know that we necessarily deserved. Um, and we learned a lot about logistics and and all the details. The first Christmas, we sold so much stuff. And then when we counted it up, we'd actually lost money because we did it all wrong. Oh. Not a fun thing. Yikes. Um and so we spent a while, months and months and months figuring out how not to screw up like that again. Yeah. So trial by fire. <laughs> None of it burned us down, but a couple of times got pretty close. Right. And um, yeah. Well, what, it, what has actually been the most challenging for you? Um, like those those Discovering details. our limitations and the boundaries of what we could do were a lot closer than we thought. Hmm. You know, thinking that you'll be able to do this thing and then because you know this, and then realizing on a 10-step process that step number two, you've already exceeded your knowledge and you're already ah. in an area of not just uncertainty, but danger and risk. But now sure. you're committed to the subsequent eight steps. And what do you do? Um, and we've had that happen a number of times. And um, and just learning more about responsibility and ownership, you mm-hmm. know. Um, I mean, any mistake anybody at Wondermaid makes rolls back on, on Jen and I, those are fundamentally our mistakes. We're the one that hired the people. We're the one that picked the contractors. We're the, we're, it's us. Mm-hmm. 
It's, it's not anybody but us. Right. And so coming to a different level of comfort with our reputations being on the line every single day um, through our all those different channels, um, which you only learn when people screw up. Ooh. You know, yep. <laughs> um, when, when, uh, when, uh, when people make mistakes and they become your mistakes, yep. um, there's a lot of difficult learning in that, but, but it's good. Yeah. So even within that, as far as other people making mistakes, it seems that you have, um, really built a, a pretty incredible team, um, with Wondermade and, it feel it feels like a healthy work culture from what I, I hope so. ob- observed there. People like really enjoying working there, yeah. which is the highest goal like of working. You really want to hopefully love and invest in a workplace. And yeah. that is not always the case, um, for sure. And I've I've learned a lot and, and a lot of hard things through through managing people. Um and this might be I don't think it's too personal, but um feels like there's a lot of intentionality in the way that you lead. So how would you say that Wonder Made um, handles kind of like conflict resolution? Ha, that's a great question. Um, so my wife warns me all the time how terrifying I can be to our staff mm-hmm. um, because I am so far from conflict avoidant. Like you already heard in our relationship, like, man, I'm conflict. Let's fix it. Uh-huh. And if you screw up, that doesn't mean I don't love you. I don't care about you. It doesn't mean any of those things. And it's not about shame or guilt, but it's about what's going on. Like, how do we, how do we address that? Mm -hmm. How do we work through that? Um, and, uh, so conflict resolution always for me starts with, um, an honest appraisal of where the conflict comes from. Mm -hmm. I mean, is it my fault? Maybe it is like, Hey, am I doing something wrong? Am I not setting you up for success? Um, you know, you gotta, those aren't, those aren't the easiest or funnest places to start, but sometimes you're the problem, you know? Right. Um, and then just work for there. I, I really try to avoid putting people in situations where they're going to fail. Um, but again, we don't know ourselves very well, very often. Sure. And so sometimes we try to do jobs that are bad fits. Um, we, you know, there are some people who I dearly love who, I knew well before they worked at Wondermaid and, and we made a mistake. Mm-hmm. It was not a good fit and right. I had to fire them. And it's, Ugh. those are some of the hardest moments mm-hmm. because I did love those people dearly in that moment. And I even still do. I mean, I'm in relationship with some of these people still. Sure. Um, but there's nothing worse than being in the wrong place, doing the wrong thing because a, that means you're not in the right place doing the right thing. Yeah. And B, there's someone else that who should, should be, be in that place. In that spot. And, um, and I know that can sound so, um, calloused almost. Um, but it's for the benefit of both parties. It, yeah. If you can figure to, out how to do it well, yeah. with vulnerability and integrity, um, and you got to make sure you have the margin to do it, you know, um, then it helps people get to where they're supposed to be on both sides of the equation. Uh, it's just not very fun. Right. Like zero fun. And I do love fun. <laughs> right. And that is not fun. Um, but I guess that's, you know, I, I just think that there's, um, there's an ideal that you always want to be working towards. And conflict is always a sign that there is variance between where you are and that ideal. Mm-hmm. And the opportunity conflict provides is to figure out what's going on. 
have you, are you chasing the wrong thing? Um, or do you have the wrong people doing the wrong things? Right. Um, or are, is there something about you that is impeding forward progress or whatever it is? Um, and it's just an opportunity to kind of figure out what's, what's off ideally in mm. community and figure out what it takes to start moving in the right direction. Sure. That's a, a great place to lead from when it works. Sure. You know, and when you're operating out of health. Right. And, um, yeah. I mean, yeah. And, you, and you don't know what you don't know. Oh gosh. And, that's and there's a been, lot I don't know. Been my story, right? Yeah. So sometimes you don't know what you don't know until you're in the middle of it and too far gone or, or you just were like, how could I not have seen this, you know, earlier? And then you're, you're in that moment that you have to, um, figure it out. And, or you did it wrong. Yeah. And you and want, you and you want, hurt someone. you want the best for people. And sometimes yeah. you're like, wow, I didn't see that coming. Or like, yeah. how come I didn't know that before? But then you have to, I have to give myself grace to say, well, you don't know what you don't know yeah. until you're, yeah, until you're in it. And there's some, I mean, I'm sorry. Are those are magic words. Sure. And I struggled my whole life. I struggled to say, I'm sorry, because I always thought that I'm sorry meant that I had appropriately identified fault and that most of it was mine. And I came to the realization that I'm sorry is actually more a recognition of a fracture in a relationship. And it might be 99% your fault and 1% my fault. But if our relationship is busted, I can still be sorry. Right. And it might not be repaired until I start saying, I'm sorry. And you might never respond in any sort of reciprocal fashion. And it's still the right thing for me to do. Sure. Um, and I think that's part of the conflict too, because it's really easy to think that it's mostly them and not much of you. And so you need to tell them what they did wrong. Um, and sometimes what actually needs to happen is you need to, you need to say, I'm sorry for what you did wrong. Um, and start from there and, and, and see where it goes. Sure. But, yeah. But it's a, Man, you don't know what you don't know, and yeah. you find out real quick how much you don't know when there's conflict. I agree. I have, I have been there yeah. more often than I would like to be. Um, but I just think that um, what you bring to this community is so valuable and important, and you're somebody that I really respect. And so I thank you for Thanks. participating in the, you know, Orlando, a greater, greater Central Florida area yeah. in, in the um and the products that you bring and, and the way that you lead and um, the the brand that you've grown and yeah. just like the integrity that you bring to being a business leader, I think that is so valuable. And so I just want to say thank you well, for thank you. I appreciate being that. a part of our being a part of our community and making all my sugar dreams come true. Which <laughs> <laughs> we aim to do for many years to come. Right. Um, so the final topic is probably my favorite out of all these, which is rest Yeah, and something that is growingly a very important, um, very important thing for me. And I, as I sit and, and do these podcasts for a lot of people, it's something that they are not well equipped or well acquainted with. Hmm. And, um, I think that it's something that people don't uh, talk about enough and they don't do enough and the, um, implications or the ripple effect with rest within all aspects of life, like your work, your personal, your friendships, your spiritual life. I think, you know, rest, rest in the sense of, you know, physically resting, but play discovery, um, just having, you know, a Sabbath, which is to stop, you know, like there's not a whole lot of, of stopping 
in our culture. And that's not really something that is celebrated, but for you, um, have there been any practices that you have adopted to be able to, to, to rest, renew, restore? How do you, what does rest look like with six kids and two jobs and like <laughs> yeah. wanting to be at every single social function? Uh, yeah, especially as a seven, you know, I know. um, you know, I, I think typically I have developed habits in the areas of my greatest weaknesses. And so um, I do work really hard to take a Sabbath rest every single week. Okay. Um, doesn't matter how busy, you know, it doesn't matter how much I could achieve if I just traded that day away. Um, I work really hard to have a 24-hour block of time. And it might be sundown to sundown. It might be sunrise to sundown, whatever it is. Yeah. Um, but just, just to have a time of pause. Um, and that's been... That's been really helpful because I think I would work. Uh, in fact, when my gosh, what were we thinking? Jen and I got married. Baby was on the way. We bought a new house and I was changing jobs. And by changing, I mean, I already had three jobs and I started a fourth while I was ending the other three. So I owned a design shop. I just started working at Northland. Right. I was teaching at Valencia three classes and I was teaching one class at a private school. And we, my wife was eight months pregnant and we had just bought a new house and I had 104 hours a week of on the books job commitments. Holy Um, moly. Never mind. And that's not like the overtime. That's the base level of commitment for all of the different jobs that I had. And, um, you know, I always just thought of work as this virtuous thing and I would always take on more. And it was not a great month. It was only one month when they all, all overlapped like that. But it was a very difficult month. And so that was the eighth to the ninth month uh-huh. of being pregnant? Yep. Yep. In fact, the finals day for the high school class, um, I think it was the final, was the day Sebastian was born. And so, I mean, that's how close the overlap was. And he was a couple weeks past his due date. Um and so there have been a few things. The first, you know, that Sabbath practice was always there, mm-hmm. even then. So you know, those are 104 hours over six days. Um, I don't think I'm awake for that amount of hours. Uh, I, <laughs> at the time, I think I was on like a three or four hours of sleep a night routine, which I shifted. So part of it is, um, part of it is God interceded in my life a couple times, and like I had weird heart things that came about ah. from a lack of sleep, and my workouts were too hard. I didn't sleep enough. I didn't feel stress. You know, I wasn't walking around thinking I have a stressed life. I actually felt very free and unencumbered. But I finally went to this cardiologist but who was like, your body was like, yeah. He was like, hey, you are killing yourself. What the freaking heck? You can't do this. And I went, really? Are you sure? And he was like, yeah. Are you an idiot? Come on, man. And, um, and sure enough, I, I added an hour of sleep a night, um, tweaked my workouts so that they weren't quite as extreme. And, and everything got normal. And he was like, you're not on, you don't have any lack of health. You don't have, mm-hmm. except for this practice, you're pushing yourself too hard and your options are to stop or to die. Those are going to be your options. And so I picked the slowing down mm-hmm. a little bit, uh, no more hundred hour work weeks. Um, I don't think ever at this point. Um, and another thing that helped was, um, my definition of rest and my wife's were different. And so, um, she, sure. she guided me through a many years season of learning to say no. Mm-hmm. Um, and they were always good things, you know, would you be on the board of this amazing nonprofit? <sighs> no, I can't. Right. You know? 
And that's a hard thing for me to say, uh, especially as a seven, you know, I want to do all the stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, so she has been really helpful in, in recalibrating my sense of what the right amount of stuff to do is. Mm-hmm. Um, as our friends in life who sometimes say, Hey, I think you're overextending yourself. And I'll say, I don't think I am. And then they'll say, let's talk about your last week. What things did you work on? And I'll roll through them. And they're like, that's too many things. Mm. That's too many. Mm-hmm. Um, even our kids, one season, Jen and I worked so hard at Wonder Maid holiday season. Holidays are our biggest time. People order gifts, like corporate gifts, mm-hmm. um, which means we'll get 400 or 2,000 boxes ordered at oh once. Oh, my gosh. And, um, and we've got a staff that are great, but those things require extra work. Sure. And so we were just just killing it one holiday season. And our kids at who were, you know, maybe the oldest was in middle school, sat us down and said, we don't see enough of you. And they said to both of us, and we had those great sitters, you know, right? Um, and we were working at night when they were asleep. So we did not think that should have counted, but we, we just missed how they would wake up at night and they'd walk into our room and we wouldn't be there. And the sitter would lie them back down. Ah. And so even our our kids just saying, give you a wake up call. Yeah. Slow down. Right. And so we did. So we've actually declined business many times. There's a lot of growth opportunities we have wow. not taken, um, to make the company larger. Um, because you know, we could always get another business if we had to, but I, I don't think either one of us want to have to get Miss another family. Out. Yeah. You know? And Miss so time that you can never get back. Yeah. You can't yeah. ever get it back. And so they helped us recalibrate a little, and I know that's going to, that sounds crazy. People are like, you did what as an entrepreneur, you didn't take the opportunity. Um, but I'm not sure that every opportunity is one you should take. I think we get into trouble when we think it's that. Mm-hmm. And when we, we think this is our Desperate one big chance. Business, yeah. yeah. And we operate out of scarcity. Sure. Um, but I think, um, again, I have a huge bias towards the gospel and I think it's one of abundance. And so I think if you operate from the presumption of, um, God is your provider and there's abundance in the world. Right. Um, which I always challenge people, hey, take me up on that. Um, try it out. That's what I've been experiencing. And let's see how that goes together. Right. Um, it turns out that scarcity is not as, as scary. Um, and so that has helped me with rest. And then my wife and I occasionally get to do, um, little vacations. My parents just watched our kids for a week so we could go to Norway Oh, and it was amazing. Arctic circle. We got to see the Northern lights. It was wow. Coolest thing ever. Kid free? Kid free for a week. Um, you know, yay, mom and dad who are awesome to have done that. And, uh, but really it was a trip of rest, mm-hmm. um, very active hiking, like tons of ground that we covered. Um, but, but the agenda was actually really not working. Yeah. It, it, Checking. Yeah. Not working, being offline. Right. Um, and you know, when you're in the Arctic, it is virtually impossible for you to, to cheat and work. Yeah. It's really difficult. You can't find Wi-Fi there? Uh, not if you refuse to pay for the over-the-air stuff. There's okay. just not as much. I mean, we were in the shoulder season, so there wasn't as much tourism-y stuff. Mm-hmm. I mean, we were in the middle of nowhere. So we were in the Lofoten Islands. Right. And really just middle of nowhere. Um, and so anytime we weren't at the place we were staying, there was no Wi-Fi. Um, what would be, so. um, and I, I mean, it sounds like it might be, this might be right up this, this alley, but for for you, what would be an ideal day of rest? 
Um, so a lot money, of my money rest is not an object. Yeah, yeah. A yeah. lot of my rest is active. So like sure. I play soccer on my day of yep. rest. Um, that's one of my favorite things to do. Mm-hmm. I play um, every week. Uh, time with my kids, and we can get to the beach. I mean, you can't live in Florida and not take advantage of the beaches. Amen. Uh, yeah. Yes. And, We're and so close. Yeah. Yeah. And there's so much adventure around this state. Um, I mean, the beaches are great, but there's places like um, Washington Oaks is this incredible beach that looks unlike anything else in Florida. And it's an hour from my house and I don't go there more often. And it's got the... Where is it? Near? Uh, it's near like the hammock preserve stuff. And it's got this ex- these exposed um, sandstone formations, like some of the coquina almost looking things. So it looks okay. like you're in the Pacific Northwest or Maine or something. Oh, beautiful. And it's amazing. Yeah. And there's all this driftwood um, around uh, Amelia Island. Um, and there's just all these little places that you can go. Uh, maybe it's sometimes it's just reading a book. Um, sometimes it's just sitting there. I try to avoid yard work because that is not my idea of rest. Um, Good Lord, no. But being with people I love, yeah. doing things that are fun, adventure, um, some amount of physical exertion is fun, hiking, mm-hmm. running. Um, that sounds delightful. Eating, eating great food. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, just the staples of community with community. Those are That's my idea of rest. Yeah. That sounds wonderful. Um, so one final thought, is there, um, one last piece of wisdom that you could share with us or uh, like a motto that you live life by? Um, yeah. I mean, somebody asked us what our family motto was the other day. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I'm just going to drop another Bible verse, but where your treasure <laughs> is there, your heart will be also. Okay. Um, as we talked about personality and not knowing ourselves, most of us think that where our heart is, our treasure will follow. And, and the truth that is that life works the opposite. Mm-hmm. You know, where you put your time, where you put your money is where your heart's going to be. And so there are a few things more helpful than realizing that's how it works. Because if you put all your time into something you don't want to be, you're going to become that anyways. Um, if you put all your money into things that you don't actually think are very valuable, you're going to become those things anyways. Um, and it's one of the single most um, influential practices is to put, for my wife and I, for us to put our time, our money, our our giftings, our talents, our relationships in the places where we want to be. Um, to help us become the people we want to be and not do it the other way around. Right. Which also means that if if there are things we, we don't want to be, we just avoid them. You know, don't do the things that lead you to become the person you don't want to be. Um, because it's really impossible to do those things and not become that person. Right. That's good. Yeah. I mean, it's again, just, those are, there are a lot of things that I've screwed up and, um, and that's helped me screw up less. Fair enough. Where can we find you wonder made like if people wanted to look you up um well you know the best place to experience wonder made is they should just come to sanford mm-hmm. and tell me they're coming on social beforehand and uh, we we can see our store from our house and vice versa um it's a half mile walk and so if i'm not already there um i love walking down and saying hi to people especially if they take the train up or drive up from mm-hmm. downtown orlando yeah um and uh and, you know, I wear the same outfit every day, red pants and a blue You're shirt. Very recognizable. Super easy to yes. find, big old beard. I there, I would be the worst ninja in the world. There's mm-hmm. no hiding. Um, and so, you know, with all these kids and all these things, I'm 
around the Orlando area all the time, every mm-hmm. day. And I don't know that many days go past where I don't run into somebody who loves Wonder Maid or um, knows me from North Under or whatever. Mm-hmm. And and uh, I do love talking to people. So <laughs> anybody ever sees me anywhere, come say hi because yeah. there's nothing more that I enjoy than connecting with somebody. Amazing. And then online, how would people find you? Yeah, WonderMade.com. Yeah. That's the site that shows you all the stuff you can order. We do we ship pretty much every day. Um, the great thing is in Orlando and even the state of Florida, if somebody orders something, it shows up almost immediately. Next day, sometimes two days. Um, and then we're on social, Instagram, WonderMade, um, on Facebook. We're, um, yeah, we're pretty much all over. Yeah. Um, and if you ever have uh, a little time to kill and... Um, wouldn't be mortified to watch all these videos if you Google Wondermaid and my name. There are way too many videos of us cutting marshmallows, walking people through the process oh, of how you I make them. Okay. Oh my gosh, there are so many. Are they many. on YouTube? Or the, well, just... it's like all these different social media channels. We've had okay. so many people come into the store. Um, we and we've just done stuff with so many different people. Martha Stewart. We did this article for her stuff before about what it's like to be in love and in business because Wonder Maid's a joint venture. My wife and I, it's actually 51% her because she ah. does more work than I do. Okay. Um, she just doesn't love talking um, in That's front really of cool. people. But it is. Sure. Yeah. So, I mean, we are, um, you know, she is the the backbone of the company mm-hmm. and I just, um, I just help with the ideas and the HR and talk. The design. Yeah. And the design stuff. Yeah. Um, but we wouldn't exist without her. Um making it all happen. Uh, she, and she really runs it. I'm the chief, chief taste adventurer, but she is the chief. Um, and so, um, but all these people come in, you know, the stuff with Martha Stewart, we've done stuff with the prophet on TV or whatever. And so all these social channels come along and then they Mm -hmm. post stuff on their channels. And I actually hate self-promotion. It makes me feel so weird. And so, um, if they've posted it, I'm usually like, cool. Cool. Then you know it's out there. And it's already out doing there. You, its don't, thing. you don't need me to repost that. <laughs> and then my my PR and marketing friends are always like, come on, Nathan, come on. Yeah. You can do better, which I'm working on. Okay. Um, but yeah, there's so many different like behind the scenes videos of how we make certain things and different mm-hmm. flavors, and um, which is actually fun to watch because marshmallows are so much fun. And you've done a lot of fun things with them. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. And so, um, so you can do that too. too. And and maybe now that you've said this, I probably should, um, put them all on our site too. So you don't have to go hunting. Yeah. Fair enough. Yeah. Thank you so much for sitting with me and just sharing, um, and just what you're, who you are, the wonder made that you are and being a part of community and just being friends with me. So thank you. Yeah. Thanks for having me. And and I'm glad to be part of this community together. Likewise. Thank you a million times over for listening to cocktails and conversation podcast. I hope you have enjoyed all of it. If you have, would you do me a huge favor and rate, comment, and subscribe for more cocktails and conversations. 